0: Hello, and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. For more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, ScriptsAndScribes.com. But first, I'm pleased to have on a lit manager and producer who has previously worked at Marvel, Artisan Entertainment, and management company Seven Summits for joining Industry Entertainment, where he has spent the past eight years repping writers, directors, and filmmakers, and producing films like Fire with Fire, starring Bruce Willis, Josh Demel, and Rosario Dawson. He's a graduate of L.A. Film School, where he studied before entering Colorado State University, earning his degree in creative writing. So he knows a thing or two about good writing. I want to welcome to the show Michael Boddy. Thanks for coming on, talking with us today, Michael.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me.
0: First off, we always like to find out more about you, about our guest, uh, in terms of where and why did you choose to... uh, Well, obviously, we know sort of where, but why did you choose to study creative writing and that kind of thing. And how did you first uh-huh. how did you become interested in working in the entertainment industry in general? Because obviously you went to L.A. Film School before going to Colorado State. So yeah. how did that whole thing happen and why? Where did you get your first spark where you decided <laughs> you want to work in the entertainment industry?
1: So it actually kind of goes back to you know years and years ago sure. where in high, in high school, I actually played football for three years. And I quit my senior year and I got a job working at Blockbuster. Um, (laughs) So very cliched work in a video store. And and I think it was kind of like at that time that I really fell in love with movies and all those things and kind of thought like, Hey, this might be something I want to do with my life. Um, Anyway, so I I went off and and got my associate's degree and I came to LA and I went to LA film school and I was in the producing and screenwriting program. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from there, um, I actually went off and, and I got my internships and I was at Marvel and then I went to Artisan and um, I was there for about a year and a half until Lionsgate came along and bought out the company. And so it was at that time that I actually you know kind of started to, to think about becoming a manager and, and had met some and saw what they were doing, um, but I didn't have my bachelor's degree. And so... Uh, actually left l a so I could focus on school and, and my family was living in Colorado at the time, and so I got my degree in creative writing and so then I moved back to l a um, in two thousand and seven before the writer strike, a so pretty bad time right
2: um, Perfect timing. And, and
1: so and so could really only get a job working in talent, not on the lit side which i which I really wanted to be in. so I got my job at seven summits and and those are all just amazing, wonderful people that work over there and Um, you know, I, I promised I might work for them for a year and I did that. Um, but I, I wanted to go work at, you know, for, for someone that worked, you know, on the literary side. And so I left seven summits and I came to, to industry. Um, and so I've been here ever since and got promoted here and has built up my entire business in industry. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: but you studied at LA film school, you studied producing and screenwriting. You went to Colorado state and you studied creative writing. So obviously writing is a passion of yours. Well, yeah, I'm sure you went to LA Film School with the sort of at least wide eyed desire to work in the production side, or at least it sounds like, or at least the development side. What sort of made yeah, that transition I mean, I, to representation and why does that sort of what, what is it about representation that you enjoy?
1: You know, so I I had always wanted to be a producer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so and that's why I was in the producing program. Gotcha. You know, I was like I wanna be I wanna be like Jerry Bruckheimer and Neil Moritz and, right. and those huge producers. But I think from the time that I started film school to working in the business to, to really kind of going back to, to school at Colorado State um, and through the Writer Strike and being at Seven Summits, you know, over the course of all, all those years, the one thing I really kind of started to notice was two things. One, you know, to, to be a at-the-top-of-your-game producer and actually stay at the top of your game. That's really hard. I mean, if you look at... You know, for the listeners, the uh, the Hollywood Reporter puts out this thing every year called the facts. I'm sorry, not the Hollywood Reporter. Variety um, puts out this thing every year called the Facts on Mm Packs, and so that is a list of all the producers that have deals with all the different studios. And so, if you you know if you look at the 2016, the 2011, and the 2006, just three different periods over the last ten years the landscape of which producers have deals is dramatically different because, you know, those producers are coming and going and, and going away. Whereas a manager, you know, I saw that I was able to do what I love the most, which was developing material and working really hands-on with with these creators. But also, you know, managers, or I think all reps, because you can say the same thing for agents, they're always staying relevant due to the fact of the the ups and downs of, of their clients and so hopefully you're building those careers they're maintaining that momentum but then you're also starting new careers that are coming up and so it, it just gives you the ability to um i think work at a little bit higher level consistently than if you're just out there trying to produce and do all those things
0: right right makes sense um yeah so. speaking of starting off uh, a career's client or a client's career, um, because a lot of our listeners are uh, aspiring screenwriters as well as writers of other uh-huh. mediums, um, what are some of the more unorthodox ways you've discovered potential clients? Um, I mean, obviously we know of you know the referrals, we know of winners of the Nickel Fellowship and things like that, but uh, uh-huh. are, there, are there any sort of interesting ways you've discovered potential clients or have they all come through pr- pretty traditional means?
1: Um, that's a good question. I'm looking down on my client list to see if any of, of these are true stories. I mean, I, I work with, uh, I work with the client who, you know, we were assistants together. Oh wow. Um, and so, and so always, you know, really, really liked his writing. And then there, you know, came a time where we, we started working together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of you know, successful writers for a certain period of time work in this business as an assistant, just to build up relationships
2: sure. know, and that
1: gives them, that gives them a big advantage. Um, I've signed writers that I've met on Twitter. Really? So, you know, I think, I think social media interaction is really important. Um, um, just in terms of, like, how you carry yourself and how you interact with people in the business. I think that medium is really, um, right. you know, important as, as a way for, for, one, people to network. But also, I mean, I think over time, you know, I'll be interacting with different people and and start to – respect their opinion and, and like them as a person just based off of that interaction to where if the day came and they said, hey, you know, I wrote a script and would love for you to take a look at it. Like, I'm I'm happy to do that. And maybe if I love it, you know, a, a potential client can come, come through that. So, um, you know, that's a very non-traditional method. Which Absolutely. I think is, is becoming more and more popular. Um, and then outside of that, you know, it's, it's, you know, very traditional stuff. It's, recommendations, it's an executive calling me saying, hey, I read this and I loved it, and they don't have representation, or an executive calling me and saying, hey, I love this and I noticed there's no manager, mm-hmm. or an agent or attorney calling and just sending me a potential client um, on top of you know the the contest winners and, and things along those lines.
0: Right. Um, speaking of contest winners, that's something that, that we tend to recommend as a great entry point for somebody who does not necessarily have a network, they may or may not even be in Los Angeles and or able to get a sort of entry level position working in the industries to sort of build those connections. Um, What are your opinions of these screenplay competitions? Which ones do you find are, are of the highest quality? Which ones do you look at like the winners of or finalists of?
1: You know, I I mean like I think all of the big ones sure. you know, I mean there's obviously, you know, there's there's Nichols, hmm. there's Austin, there's Blue Cat, there's Final Draft, there's Tracking B, there's Tracking Board. Um, you know, I'm sh- I'm sure there's another one out there that I'm just blanking on right now. But I think if you are a finalist in any of those, if you're in the top ten of any of those competitions, um, your script is gonna get sent all around Hollywood. And, and from that, you either are going to get representation and something's going to happen, or maybe you're a top ten in the nickels and everyone in town reads it and just doesn't respond to it. And so you know that you have to keep trying. Um, um, but if you're, if you're in any of those contests and you're a finalist, I think that you're, you've got a shot at having your material read and giving you that opportunity to, to gain representation. So Not that I sign a lot of those, sure. those writers that often. Um, you know, I, it's probably been a couple of years since I have, but I think that, you know, either one of two things happens, you know, either I read a script and I love it, but they already have, they already have a manager, um, or, or, or maybe, you know, maybe they live in Maine and they only want to write features and, um, it's just not something that while I might like the script, I don't necessarily love the circumstances that go along with it to want to get involved.
2: Right, right.
0: Now, what about smaller uh, screenplay competitions? I'm not saying do you, that you uh, dig that deep to find, you know, a finalist or a winner of some, you know, small town uh, screenplay contest. But if uh-huh. someone were to query you, and they add that somewhere on their query email to you, does it make a difference, or is it just a wasted line of text?
1: <laughs> you know what? It ultimately, for me, anyway, it comes sure. down to how the letter's written. Gotcha. You know, like just sending me an email saying winner of the North Dakota State Screenplay Competition. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not going to register. Like, you still have to write a really good letter. Right. Um, and, right. and I think over the years, you know, it's like as we all get older and, and our experience changes, I think our, our opinions very much will change. I used to think that, like, ultimately all I cared about was what was in the log line. Does it sound like a cool movie that I would want to read. And I think now, I think it's more, more than just having a good log line, but I think it needs to be a really well-written letter. Um, and, and some people can write a really short, um, short and direct letter that, that maybe interests me. Um, and sometimes it'll be a longer letter just, you know, with passion and just be extremely well-written that will pique my interest and in, in want to request it. Right. Um, but, but also I think those are also fewer and further in between, Um, than they were at the beginning of my career.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, we do hear a lot that most managers that we've spoken to say it's all about the logline. If they like the logline, they'll read more. But, I mean, it's refreshing to hear someone say, you know, that that the the letter does make a difference. Um, What elements inside what I can't ask you, obviously, what makes a good letter? Because that's obviously I mean, it's such a broad subject. But yeah, what what types of things would would that you think uh, would be included in a uh, a letter, or a query email Man, uh, it, would be helpful?
1: You know, it, it, it's funny. Yeah. I can sit here and say the things not to do okay, far yeah. more easily than I can the things to do Absolutely. because it's like right. You know, and and, and for me, when people will sit there and send an email saying, "Hey, Mike," and for me, like I go by Michael. My email even sure. says. Michael in it, so just to make that assumption and call me Mike is a bit of a non-starter for me, and, and right. people might think I'm an asshole for saying that, but it's oh. something about you if you're doing that. Absolutely. Um, you know, Sending me query letters on Saturday and Sunday drives me crazy. I okay. think we live in a world with technology, yeah. when we all have our phones, and so it's really hard to unplug, and I think you know everyone in the business, especially on the, the representation side. I mean, we're, we're working almost 24 7. Right. Um, but getting getting a query letter on a Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock when I'm just trying to maybe either do my weekend read or relax with my girlfriend, whatever it is, kind of pulls me out of it a bit for no reason.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and so I tend to not respond to this. Um, having a lot of typos, and that happens all the time, and I don't understand it when you're trying to convey that you're a writer. Right, absolutely. You're sending a, query, a professional letter full of typos. Um, okay. And then also I think that there's a lot of times there'll just be kind of like uh disjointed letters where it's just you, there's not a clear thing that you're trying to say. Um and also sending a query letter that says, Hey, I finished twelve scripts, here's the log lines for all of them. <laughs> I mean, that's it it's been like I just I stopped reading. Right. So Right. Yeah. You know. Um Um but also yeah. but just you know to add to this, I, I think the one thing is query more assistance, you know. Um hmm. query Query, you know, more more younger managers, you know, I always find it interesting when people will send query letters, you know, to to the biggest agents in the business sure. and, and the biggest managers, and they're like, oh, I sent a query letter to Jerry Bruckheimer directly. It's like maybe you shouldn't have done that. You know, <laughs> think about the people. Think, you know, you you kind of want to try to target the people that are really hungry and, and looking for for those clients um, because you know I, I think a lot of us are in a position where you know it, it will get to us through other ways.
0: Right. Absolutely. And agents
1: and agents for the most part agents don't accept query letters anymore.
0: Mhm. Right. And we tell people uh, that ask which we get asked quite often actually that don't worry about agents, focus on managers because agents yeah. have too many clients, they're dealing with too many things. Um and and they're not really as much about client development as a managers, they're about sales. <laughs> So,
1: yeah, uh, for exactly, for the most part. I mean, you know, agents are much more transactional in their business.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about, this is something that actually we haven't covered as much, uh, is the fact that you had mentioned approaching uh, an assistant. Uh, how uh-huh. seriously do you take, like if an assistant at, at industry had come to you and said, uh, I read the script, you know, someone queried me, I decided to read it, uh, I think it's really good. How seriously do you take that recommendation?
1: Very. Okay. I will take it very, very seriously because I was in that position at one point. Sure. You know, and so I will take them as seriously as I was, you know, I would appreciated that I was taken seriously when I was, was an assistant. Um, and what people, you know, I think forget a lot of times is just like any industry or business, but but Hollywood very much so, you know, I think everything works kind of on, like, the favor bank or the IOU or whatever you want to call it. And so for an assistant to, to find that great script and, one, not only be able to get their boss to maybe sign a client, which gives them a lot of, you know, a lot of points, but they want to share it with their friends. You know, for an assistant to be able to send to a young CEO a production company that they met and that CEO has been promoted as an assistant, Um, Hey, I read this script, and it's great, and I just gave it to my boss, but here, check it out. Well, if that exec loves it, now they owe the assistant one. And so you kind of build up your reputation and build up favors in that way, which just makes everyone look good. And assistants are really trying to do that because this business is really hard. It's really hard to make it in this business, whether you're a writer or a director or an actor or an executive or a producer. I mean, it's hard for everybody, and so everyone's doing everything they can just
0: to kind of get edges up on the competition. Right. And that's another thing. You had said that business is very hard. There's just so much of a volume of material out there that oftentimes uh-huh. these sort of gatekeepers, the assistants and uh, whoever, are, or, or even screenplay competitions, are basically filtering out a lot of the, the noise, the, the the screenplays that aren't ready, so that the, the cream, so to speak, hopefully rises to the top and you have a better chance you meaning the reps out there, uh, of Uh finding material that's actually quality. Now, it may not fit your tastes. You may not like the actual writer once you meet them or whatever, but at least there's a greater opportunity, a greater chance that the writing is not going to be terrible because there are so many out there. Um, Exactly. I wanted to ask you uh, about in terms of the number of scripts. How many scripts would you say you read in an average week, including those from your own clients, which obviously take precedence, uh, prospective clients that you were referred to or recommended, you've got recommendations about projects that you have in various stages of, or your clients have in various stages of development, um, around town, uh, perhaps research that's important for something, um, uh, uh, uh scripts of that nature. How many scripts do you think, be, and I'm not even talking about queries, uh, or, you know, just scripts that you all, have all, to read in you all think you in read during a week. Yeah.
1: You know, it's it's because I think that that it's always changing. Sure. You know, and, and and you'll have times when the stack is lower and higher. But I would say, you know, probably average anywhere between six to ten okay. given the week. Right. Um, but I you know, then I'll also have times where I'm only reading four scripts that week, but I'm reading you know, 12 different, you know, 10 to 15 page client outlines and needing to do notes on all those things. Right. So, um, as, as well just as it depends on, oh no, go ahead. So uh, it just really depends on the time of year and, and just the way things line up with what clients are doing and, and how many potential clients will come in during that week or over the course of a couple weeks. So,
0: right. And in addition to all your calls and meetings and, and pitches and all that kind of stuff, which is just sort of goes to the fact that there, there's a lot going on without you taking in a bunch of additional material that is yeah. is, is not requested by you or it's not a priority for you. Um, yeah. We just try to emphasize that, that's, that they're taking up your valuable time uh, by sending yeah. you the query, and then even more so if you actually decide to read their material. And it's not – everyone thinks that their material is precious, but you have to realize that you yourself – are taking on the burden if you decide to read their scripts so you they have to give you every reason to do it and no reason to not want to do it that kind of thing anyway
1: yeah and and look i mean i rarely you know request scripts from query yeah. letters anymore um because i think unfortunately going back to the filter process that you were just talking about the time spent on that filter for me doing it myself i mean like the, the odds have to be like one in Two or three hundred, five hundred, something along those lines, mm-hmm. and so I just don't want to go digging for that diamond in the rough anymore, right? Because um, you're right, it is. It's I always joke, you know, with with colleagues in my talent department, where when they're calling someone up, they're asking for you know three minutes of their day to watch a client's clip, to maybe get an audition on something. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're making phone calls and asking people for an hour to two hours of their life to read something. Right. And so you, you got to really love it to, to do that. Same thing with query letters, where it's just like, you know, the, if if it's not good, we end up wasting our time. Or realistically, we're, we're usually sending the script down on page 5 or 10.
0: Right. I, I wanted to, to ask you about the sort of types of scripts. Meaning there are those that are obviously more marketable, more sellable, whether it's a tentpole or some sort of genre picture um, versus something that may be, you know, a little more independent, a little bit more thought provoking, a little bit different. Um, uh-huh. Does it matter to you if you find I mean, for example, what I'm trying to get at is if somebody wrote a script that you think is fantastic, but, you know, there's no chance that. Anyone would buy the script. It's not marketable at all. It's very unique, but you just like the writing. Is that something uh-huh. that someone you would consider uh, working with yeah. them on something that is sellable or is that is that a non-starter?
1: No, absolutely. No, I think all reps, first and foremost, I think that you're looking for a great voice mm-hmm. in writing that you really respond to and writing that you love. That way, you know, I I have no problem calling the executive saying, like, look, you're never going to make this movie, Mm -hmm. but you're going to fucking love this script. And so you should read it because this is a new voice that you need to be aware of. I mean, that's a lot of fun, you know, And, and from that, you can start your career and you can go off and you can book an assignment. And so it's not always about just coming up with these extremely saleable ideas. But I think part of it when it comes to a representative working with a writer, I think part of the conversation is, what type of writer is it that you want to be you know what type of what type of movies do you love what are the types of movies that you want to be writing and and there has to be a a lineup of taste now from that we can sit there and use this kind of very different maybe indie script that's very beloved to go out and get you hired to hopefully write the types of movies that you want to write from the studios but if you if you, maybe you don't live in LA or or maybe you're not, not good in the room or not a good pitcher, all the things that I look for when signing a client. But if you sit there and you say, no, I just want to write my own thing and I want to write movies like Gong Girl. Well, mm-hmm. there's probably not a writer that I want to work with just because the business of writing specs, the $50 million dramas, they still happen, but usually they're based off of IP now and they're filmmaker driven. And so there's not a high percentage chance of that client being transactional and having a career based off of them wanting to work in a very specific way and not having the other tools, you know, in their arsenal to go off and land a job to be hired to write a movie like that. Right. It's, you know, so it's, so there's a balance that you have to find out, but I'm, I'm never going to be scared away from something less challenging. If I love the material, cause I love right. introducing new writers to the town.
2: Right. Right.
0: And it's, the only reason I ask is because a number of, of we, a lot of newer writers or, or younger writers uh, are constantly in conflict of whether to write the thing that they are passionate about or the thing they think will sell that the market is, look, marketplace is looking for, where we, we try to recommend that you write what you're passionate about, because it will show in your writing to whatever yep. the marketplace is, whatever is hot now may not be hot in the year or six months when you finish your script three yep. there are plenty of professional writers who are working right now in the business who are probably working on a number of those things whatever is on hot on the curve um uh, so write what you're passionate about and you validate that so I I think that's that's
1: yeah but there great. and there's there's also a balance to be had sure. there as well though
2: yeah no, where,
1: you. you know you you don't want to just be sitting there being like all right I'm just going to write you know, uh, programmer, pro- like, you know, like the, the, the takens of the world and whatnot, like every single time out, like, you know, you can, you can switch it up and, you know, write something that you love and then write something that you think is a commercial idea. That way, even if that commercial idea doesn't sell, maybe you're showing people a different side of you and you can write commercially. Um, sure. And so there's, there's that balance that goes along with it. Um, what I think that, you know, one of the issues that I have with a lot of young writers today is a lot of them, and not to shit on millennials like everyone does, <laughs>
2: um,
1: but, but you know, there's, there's a certain level of, of young writers in you know their, their early, maybe even mid-20s, who, you know, off of their second script, sit there and say, like, well, I didn't place in a contest, and I didn't get representation, and Hollywood sucks, and Hollywood's not fair, and it's like, you have to put in a lot of hard work yeah. to refine your skills, and they will you know, it's like they'll hear the stories of like, you know, Koppelman and Levine when they were 30 wrote rounders at their first script and sold it and got made and that could be us and it's like that's the exception to the rule.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's like you have to sit there and refine your craft and put in the work and you have to do it because you love it and because you can't imagine doing anything else besides writing and just refine your craft until, until the day comes when you have that breakthrough script and then kind of go from there. Um, right. But a lot of people are are, you know, um, unfortunately not as patient as I think that they should be. Mm -hmm. Um, And also all those people, I mean, every single time they write a script, they're sending out a query letter about it. So that's also making it so much harder for maybe the other people that are ready to kind of be noticed because everyone's inbox is flooded with 10 to 15 query letters per day.
0: Right. And, I mean, we recommend that you don't go out with something until you know it's ready. So many writers, uh, especially newer writers, go out with something as soon as they're done and it's their yeah. first script, their second script, and it's not ready, and they're not ready. And again, screenplay competitions are a great way to sort of filter that out. Now, if you get rejected by one screenplay competition, it doesn't mean your script isn't good. If you get rejected by eight screenplay competitions, or, you know, don't place an eight or nine screenplay competitions, you might want to go back and look at it. Maybe it's your theme, maybe it's your, uh, you know... Uh, there,
2: the
1: there's right, something right.
0: Yeah, 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 there's something wrong with it, probably. But, you need to it. But
1: also, it's I mean, like, I think in today, going back to Twitter, I think... You know, from that, I think you can meet so many other aspiring writers where I think you should be, you know, getting into or starting a writer's group. Sure. And I think the policy should always be brutally honest. Yeah. Um, I think the worst thing that writers can be given is, you know, false praise and, and people afraid of, like, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings by telling them this isn't good. And, like, look, I'm sure that there are, there are many great screenwriters out there who have written great scripts that had someone tell them that the script wasn't good, and that's fine. But, like, for the most part, you want your peers to be honest with you, not placating you.
0: Right. So. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of times, uh, newer writers especially, uh, seem to hand out their script because they want two things. Either validation, they want you to tell them how great it is. They don't want criticism and or they want you to do something to help get it made those are the, the two yep. main reasons instead of genuinely wanting criticism so that you can make it better because that's really what you should be especially early on trying to do um, even yep. the the most established most uh, experienced most reputable most uh, uh, decorated awarded writers in town finish a draft of their script give it to their reps give it to people they trust and say you know and want feedback And these are, these are Academy Award winners. These are Emmy winners. These are the top writers. So to think that as a newer writer that you were above that level of, of, of sort of auditing of your own work is, is a little crazy, you know, get feedback. Which
1: I, I, I still say it goes back to, you know, participation trophies and everyone kind of being programmed to think that just because they participated, they should be rewarded. Right. And unfortunately (laughs) this is not how it works.
0: Right. Absolutely. Um, uh, Now, what genres of screenplay currently are maybe a little harder to sell? I mean, obviously, specs are a huge challenge to sell in general. But are there any specific Mm -hmm. genres, um, sort of of topics, or things that might be a little more difficult to sell, especially for a newer writer? Um, And what kind of things, like, let's say a a writer is considering writing their next spec? What Mm -hmm. are the types of things they should be considering when writing looking for whatever, you know, the story or, or they should write for their next back.
1: You know, it's, it's, it's tough to answer that question because I feel like I could sit here and say, oh, period dramas are, are really hard to do. And right. then, but, you know, like a period drama sold, you know, three weeks ago. Sure. And so, unfortunately, I have to give kind of the answer that it really doesn't matter that much as long as it's great um I do think that there's a certain price point where then all of a sudden you've ridden yourself out of the market where you know a 200 million dollar <laughs> original sci-fi idea like right. I don't I don't think anyone's making that. I think that they will make it for you know Michael Bay or Chris Nolan or or you know any huge director might be able to possibly get something like that up and running. Um but for the most part I think you know young writer sitting in, in her or his apartment writing an original piece of material, writing a $200 million original sci-fi is probably not going to find a home. Outside of that, you know, it just goes back to the blanket answer of it has to be something that has a great idea um, that is executed either, you know, well to great. And then from there, it just depends on, you know, a financier f- believing it enough to, to buy it or option it. Um, um you know, horror. I think you know, horror both always works, but then the market's also inundated with horror right now, making it more challenging on the spec side. Um, um, comedies are always really subjective. I mean, like, there's no, there's no one's working more or less right now than the other. Um, sure. You know, you just you have to love the idea, and there has to be something that's not completely familiar about it. Um, outside of that, just you know, execute a really good script.
2: Right.
0: Um, now you had mentioned uh, a couple things you look for in potential clients. Um, maybe you can expand on that a little bit. So, you know, things that are red sure. flags, things that you know uh, stick out, uh, and you act dis- appreciate when you're, uh, you know, taking meetings or you know when you're evaluating somebody as a potential client.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I want them to be good people. I want <laughs> them to be nice and considerate. I want them to have great ideas. I want them to be collaborative. I want them to be good in a room. Um, I want them to be good pitchers. Um, you know, I was on a podcast a while ago, and and I said, you know, I, I didn't want people that were, you know, introverted and and shy and not good in a room. And someone listened to that, and wrote this whole blog post about how fucked up that was. And I think they kind of misunderstood me, where it's like there's a ton of great writers out there. I mean, there's so many great writers. And so if if a studio or a network or whoever it is, and they're meeting with all these great people, the person that just goes into a room and is really quiet and awkward is not any better of a writer than the person that goes in there who is communicative and talkative and, and you know has good ideas. And so you can't be... That sit in a room alone awkward introverted writer anymore that doesn't mean that you can't be weird and, and interesting and unique. I mean I think everyone wants wants you know their writers and clients to have personalities. I just think that you need to have a certain level of being able to interact socially with executives because others can right. and so you're doing a disservice if, if you know if, if that's not a quality that you have and I've seen, writers um, go off who who are that way and just not have that success and right. so in, and if you are that way then you know it's like I've signed clients who who were that way and then one of the things that we worked on was getting them to be more social and had them sign up for improv classes and had them sign up for acting classes just to help them come out of their shell in a way that would help them be successful and it's been a tremendous help to them so so there's a balance there
0: Right. Well, and to expand on that, um, a lot of writers are under the impression that they write scripts and you sell the script, meaning the reps, when, in fact, Uh oftentimes a writer will, a majority of the time, not even a part of the time, but a majority of the time, a writer will get a job from an OWA, an open writing assignment, or from a pitch, like you'll pitch an idea and somebody will like it and hire you to write that script, but very, very it's much harder to sell a spec that you've already written and get sent around town and they buy that script. Oftentimes at the writing sample would be sent around. They like you, they have a writing assignment open and they meet you based on that. But if you don't have yeah. the ability to communicate what your vision, what your viewpoint is, what your story is, if you're pitching an original idea because you're such an introvert and you have a hard time getting that information out, the, the listener, the executive, whoever, the producer, isn't getting the full story is you know you know the idea you know the story but if you can't expound on it and can't express that to others and because of you're such an introvert it's going to be very difficult for you to sell those ideas and get jobs writing assignments and things like that so to expand on what exactly. you were saying that's absolutely true
1: yeah no absolutely and so if if you're someone who is an aspiring writer you know and and you feel like that might be something um, that's holding you back. I would say go go sign up for some acting classes. Go sign up for some improv classes. You know, I mean, I think that a lot of times what writers fail to understand is that they are they are the CEO of their own company, and so it's about putting in everything that you can to be successful. And and writing is a huge part of it, but so is so is going out and networking and meeting people and, and taking an acting or improv class if you need to to help kind of become more personable and spending the money that if you're an aspiring writer and you need people's email addresses, you know, to sign up for IMDb Pro or Variety Insider Studio System, though, that's that's more expensive. Um, but but doing all those things, I mean, you're investing in yourself to have the career that you want. And so you have to go out and do all of those things not just the one, which is writing, which you would think that like the writing is enough, but again, the competition is too, it's, it's too hard out there just to sit there and, and lock yourself in a room and write scripts. Like, I think writers a long time ago were able to do that, but now that people are making less movies, but also a lot of people have transitioned to television, and then in, in TV, you're going to be in a writer's room and interacting with other people.
0: Right, and even more so in TV, which we've talked about on a few occasions, um, it really is about networking because people have to be in the same room with you, other writers and producers have to be in the same writer's room with you at, for months at a time for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. So they oftentimes yeah. will hire friends or at least through recommendations. I mean, obviously, as a spec feature writer, uh, you know, you go off and write your own spec based on notes from. And, you know, you'll get notes from studio executives and producers and the filmmaker and whatever, but you go off and do your own thing. It's not as much mm-hmm. time. Hopefully you're still collaborative and a decent human being. But if you're a little quirky and awkward, whatever, uh, yeah, no one's going to care. Right. But in a, yeah. a writer's room, if if you don't have somebody vouching for you, it's very, very difficult to get into a writer's room because they don't want to take a chance, again, of being stuck with somebody who is really unlikable or difficult or whatever maladjusted for six months at a time 10 to 12 hours a day they just don't want that it's not worth it there's too many other writers out there that that have networked have paid their dues have friends in the industry that can say hey this person's not a weirdo so well
1: and and you know along those lines look i i would say that maybe a third of the writers rooms out there maybe more maybe less um probably have quite a few unlikable or hard to work with people in those rooms and there's a lot of big personalities <laughs> sure. and, and drama and and right. all of those things going wrong because there's still you know you're you're dealing with anywhere from 5 to 12 people in a room right. that all are artists and have opinions and so there's things that are always bound to go wrong um, but at the same time when it comes to when it comes to to getting those jobs Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I was with showrunners this past, um, this past staffing season and they were showing me all of the voicemails that they had received from friends being like, Oh man, I heard your show might go and I'm available. And Mm -hmm. and like, look, still, you know, showrunners aren't making all of the decisions. The showrunners are meeting with a bunch of people that the producers and studio and network are putting together. And they're trying, especially in, in 2016, they're trying to find a, a a balance to the room of it being inclusive and diverse and all those things and so it's not it's not the good old boys network that it probably was however many years ago where a showroom would be like here's my six friends i'm hiring them and that's it you know no one really gets away with that anymore um but you you still need to be you know um a good writer and and personable to go in and, and went over that showrunner if they've never met you before. And that happens all the time. People go and meet a showrunner for the first time and be great in the room and nail the meeting and get the job.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing. When you go in and meet with a showrunner, it's much more about a personality match than it is about your writing at that point. Because
1: Yeah, because at that point they've already read you. They've right. already looked at your credit sheet. And so it's it's very much about that personality match.
0: Right. Um, We've got a couple of listener questions I wanted to sort of throw your way. Um, The first is, what is the water bottle tour like? What realities are faced by new writers when they are chasing that new assignment? What should they do to succeed?
1: Um, I've never gone on a water bottle tour, so I I can't say exactly what it's like. but I mean it's it's honestly it's it's probably the same thing as as when I go off and I have lunch and coffees and drinks with executives where you're getting to know someone. I mean right. they're all mini dates for the first time. You're saying if you fall in love and want to work together. Um and so you're you know, you're giving your spiel where you're from and what you've done and how you came up with the script and how you found your reps and got to where you are and they're telling them about you and what they're working on. And if there's a taste and personality match and they love your script, you know, maybe they'll sit there and, and they'll throw an assignment your way and and maybe if it's a really hot writer um, who's just broken into the business, maybe you're going to get in the mix on a, on a brand-new assignment. Or maybe um, maybe you know the executive won't have anything open except for this assignment that they've been looking to fill for a year. No one's cracked it, and they'll toss a bone your way in that capacity. Um, and more often than not, nothing comes from it outside of building a relationship for down the road. But it's a very important, important thing to do in a career. Is to go off and meet those people and begin to build those relationships, which you'll which you'll hopefully be having for years. Right. Um, in terms of what can they do um, to to land those assignments, I mean, it really just comes down to you know what is their take, you know what how do they see that movie happening, you know how are how are they inventive in what they came up with, and then communicating that with both passion and confidence that excites the executives to where they're the ones that are saying this writer solves all of our problems thank you so much here's money please go write it (laughs) yeah
0: yeah. um here's another one uh lately we've seen studios hand 100 to 200 million dollar event films to directors with maybe a small indie film on their resume colin trevorow for jurassic world and ryan johnson trevoro yeah Uh, and Ryan Johnson for Looper and Star Wars Rogue One, although Ryan Johnson, I think, is attached to the next Star Wars film. Oh yeah.. Oh, yep. Uh what do you think these indie directors are doing right to land these major films?
1: I think that they are probably really good in a room, and I think that they have a really good film underneath their belts. And so people watch that and they sit there and think, oh, this will add a freshness to this franchise or to this film that we won't get by hiring this person who's done 14 movies previously.
2: Right.
0: Right. Um, yeah, it's probably... Well, it's, it's,
1: it's, it's a big risk. Um, sometimes it works out amazingly well, and sometimes it crash and burns, especially when... When you take an even larger leap, when you have, you know, directors coming off of just a really amazing special effects-driven short film, and then all of a sudden they're being handed, you know, a hundred or one hundred and fifty million dollar movie. Um, you know, sometimes that can work out great, but you know, I, I think that several times it's been a total disaster. So, <laughs> right.
0: um, I saw in your, your Twitter feed which people should uh, follow you on Twitter. It's at, at M body M B O T T I. Um, something that I, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about and expand on um, where you wrote the most painful feedback a writer can hear after a pitch is quote, that was really well told end quote. Could you expand on that? Yeah. And then maybe also talk about um, the, the sort of soft pass or, or polite pass, mm-hmm. you know, elements that a lot of writers hear that they, they get confused. They think it's, oh, that's a really good thing when, in fact, it's really a polite way of saying, you know, it wasn't my thing or I passed, not interested.
1: Yeah, no, you know, it's, it's funny because I was just joking around with, with clients at the time where, you know, they, they went out with a pitch and they ended up selling it. Um, but as they were going through that process, you know, they would go into rooms and people would be like, this is amazing. This is great. Like, we love this. And, and those were all people that were interested in, in being a part of it. And in all of the rooms that, that, you know, ultimately it didn't work out with, they'd be like, oh, that was really well told. We'll get back to you. I mean, that's their very polite way (laughs) of saying, you know, an exact speak of like, oh, we're going to think about it, but it's going to end up being a pass. I mean, like, I I don't know, like, how that was the phrase that people just decided on being polite with, but, um, you know, every now and then someone will say that was really well told and, and not know that most people say that before passing and, and will express interest, but more often than not, you know, when execs say that was really well told, uh, people get a pass. So that's right. why I think you know four or five, um, you know, writers chimed in, being like, "I say this all the time, like absolutely, like that's the worst thing a writer can hear." <laughs>
0: um, what are some other, uh, again, soft pass, polite pass, uh, sort of phrases or things that sound positive that new writers might interpret as positive when it's actually yeah, not a wholly negative statement, but something, you know, they're not
2: interested.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, right out right here we'll, um, we'll hear, oh, that was really interesting. Let us think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that usually ends up being a pass. Um, yeah,
0: I, I mean, we found a lot of times that uh, if they don't ask questions, no matter what they say, if they're not asking question, more questions about the the pitch or – Yep. or idea or whatever. They're not that interested because if they were, they'd want to know more. You know, where it's been, more well, about it, and all these I, kinds. of things. Where do you get going?
1: I, I would, I would add to that. If they're not asking several questions. Yes. And you know, I feel like a lot of times they'll ask like one or two at the end of that's really well told, and then and that's the end of it. But a lot of times when they're engaged and they're excited, right? Um, they'll ask a lot of questions. But I also think writers, for the most part, will, are generally pretty good about reading a room. Now, don't sure. me wrong. I've seen writers where you know after every single pitch, they're like, "Oh, we, you know, we, we nailed it. They loved it." And and none of those people do. And I think it's more of a young writers learning to read a room mm-hmm. um, aspects to it. So, uh, but over time, eventually, I think writers get a really good sense of, of how these rooms go.
2: Right.
0: Um, and some writers will email and ask that why doesn't anyone, you know, after. Giving um, uh, a read request based on a query or whatever, they never hear back, and so we get asked a lot: Why doesn't? Why don't they just say no? Why don't they respond? You know, so maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Why don't you say email them back and say not interested?
1: Uh, or maybe you do in other not You mean, I, you, mean general. you mean after we after we've requested a script? Correct. Um, I don't know. I think for me, usually I will I'll try to pass at some point. Right. Um, you know, if because there's times I mean, like usually if I'm I'm requesting for you know requesting a query script, something about it sounded interesting, and I was like, oh, I'll take a flyer and read a couple pages of this, but but it's at the bottom of my stack, <laughs> and that stack is always fluctuating, and so I'm probably not getting to that query letter for you know two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tend to usually then pass to people, so. I try not to leave people hanging, and sometimes it just gets lost in everything, and I right. delete it off my iPad because I needed the extra tab, and, and I annotate, and then it's just completely forgotten about. So,
0: well, just in does general in the industry, why why does that happen so often? Like, people just won't respond.
1: <sighs> to it you know, I've had bad experiences where I've just passed to people and they've been like, you're wrong, The script's great, you don't know what you're talking about, it's Like, why did you fire me if you don't think so? Sometimes you're just not getting back to them just to avoid, you know, the confrontation, but I also think that maybe, you know, people just assume that silence is a pass. So
0: Right, which, which I think, yeah, people who've been through, you know, it's not their first rodeo, absolutely. Um, but yeah. I, I think a lot of newer writers sort of, Really green writers will take it sort of personal that they don't get, you know, notes or they don't get a pass, and it's like that's not really what it's about. A lot of, a lot of them are, are doing sort of a, a favor, reading your script and taking their time. That, you know, if they don't respond, they don't respond because they're busy or whatever, um, and like you said, sometimes to avoid confrontation. Please don't do that yeah. if you're listening to this podcast and you're a writer submitting scripts and full of casts. It's kind enough because I do think it's actually a polite gesture for someone to say you know, thanks, but no, thanks, not my thing. That's, that's awesome. Yep. I, I think that that's actually a really nice gesture. Cause not, you know, 20% of, of, of reps and producers will actually do that. So I think that's fantastic that you do that. And I think it's fantastic when they do that, please don't make them regret it by firing off something nasty. Just say, thank you very much. You know, because you will remember the reps will remember the next time you have something, you know, and you yeah. send it out. Oh. If you were nasty, they're not going to read it. They're not going, they're going to ignore you.
1: Yeah. No, we we absolutely will. But also, at the same time, I mean, like, not to, to let out, like, industry secrets, but at the right. same time, I feel like everyone also, you know, they'll share query letters. If you write a really bad query letter or a yeah. really horrible idea, I mean, like, we'll send it to our friends. Right. Um, and so also take that. But also, if if a writer is a, a, a total jerk or, or whatever you want to call them, um. Um, we'll also share that with our friends. Being like, right. oof, did anyone else have to deal with this person? So, right.
2: remember
1: that. Yeah, but
0: well, please don't do that. Do yourself a favor. And just, just be polite and pleasant. You're going to make, make it easier for yourself and everybody else involved. Exactly. Um, so, we're getting sort of towards the end here. Um, I know you've got to run, but we do have a section where we call reading, watching, playing, and listening to, where we want to find out what you're reading, if you're reading anything for pleasure, not for work, obviously, unless there's something specific uh, that you want to talk uh-huh. about reading. What are you watching TV? Any good films you've seen lately? Um, playing? Are you playing any sort of video games? That's actually a very popular thing. And listening to what do you? What do you like to listen to, whether it's you know, podcasts or music or you know, anything specific that you are enjoying right now?
1: So to answer, okay, so on the listening side, I yeah. just got a new, a new car. Um, and Excellent. so I have I have uh, satellite radio for the first time, oh, and cool. so I've been listening to the '90s channel a lot. So <laughs> uh, very nostalgic for me. So I think I've just been enjoying kind of like going back to my high school days quite a bit um, on the listening side. Um, on the reading side, uh, I have not been able to read it yet outside of a couple pages. But I bought that new CAA book. Oh right. Um, which I'm I'm really excited to to find the time. Um, to watch mm-hmm. so, Or sorry To, to read And yeah. then On uh, on the watching side You know My girlfriend She she Is a television executive And, and feature executive But she watches Everything on television you know, She, she has time She stays up to speed um, She makes the time She also can get by On less sleep Than I can So right. I admire her A great deal Where I'm a I'm a big baby Like I need At least six and a half Hours of sleep Right um, So she'll stay up Like an extra hour or two um, but, you know, one, one show that surprised me because I'm, I'm such a fan of, of the original films and, and so I was really nervous before watching it, but, uh, I really am enjoying, um, is Lethal Weapon on Fox. So, oh. um, I'm sure, you know, and, and there's all kinds of like really great cable shows up there and Walking Dead coming back and finding out who got killed was great and, and, and all, all the Marvel Netflix shows I really enjoy, but that was the one I think that surprised me the most because I, I had low expectations. Right. Um, and then I'm, and then I'm loving both the Dan Fogelman's new shows, um, This Is Us and Pitch.
2: Uh-huh. So, and do
0: you play any you know, games at all?
1: Uh, I play uh, I play a lot of NBA 2K 17. So oh, one cool. of, okay. one of my, one of my clients actually lives in my building. Um, and so, you know, I will, I, I will, I'll get home from work and like stop by, by his place and him and his roommate and I will, we'll play NBA 2K for, for half hour, hour or so.
0: And, and who's listening? I mean, who's uh better in case he's listening? Who's a better player, you or him? Uh,
1: God, I don't know if I want to answer that question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I will say his roommate is, is, uh, the best player. The okay. Most. Fair enough. Diplomatic and yet honest. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to Nick on that one.
2: Nice, nice. Um,
0: yeah. And lastly, do you have any uh, specific advice for aspiring screenwriters that you want to throw out there? Is there anything else you want to share?
1: I would just say, you know, I mean, it's probably very conventional advice, but just always be writing. Um, you know, and 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 write a lot. You know, don't don't get done with a script. I mean, as you're going off and sending that script to contest, I mean, be working on your next one so often you always hear these stories of of writers where it was their 10th 15th 17th you know script that really kind of put them on the map that started their career and that's just really the beginning of a career so just you know you have to love it and you have to keep working at it
2: right
0: thanks for coming on the show michael i appreciate your time
1: of course thank you for uh thank you for having me
0: uh, and be sure to follow Michael on Twitter if we haven't mentioned it enough. We've got great stuff on there. So, at Mbody, M-B-O-T-T-I. Uh, and if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at com or send us a tweet to at There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribe. Thank you for listening.